Oh my god. Welcome to the Treason Show. My name's Carrie Overwood, and this week we're talking about social media. Yes! Alright, so social media. Where to start? Well, before I'd start, I'd like to thank our sponsor for the day, Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. Keep going. Oh, we're also sponsored by... Jesus, I can hardly read this. This print is so small. Self-checkout stands. Self-checkout stands. You work everywhere now. Alright, cool. So, special thanks to Photosynthesis and Self-checkout stands. We could not do it without you. As for social media, we could do it without you. Because we have before. But... Now we're pretty stuck with it. Don't think it's going away anytime soon. But it's important to talk about because, well, for that very reason, it's not going away anytime soon. It's actually quite pernicious. Pernicious is kind of a connotatively negative word, but there's a lot of cons for social media. We'll discuss those. And there are pros as well, so we'll discuss those. But the first thing that we will discuss is the free exchange of ideas and information. So the crazy thing about social media is that it allows us to instantly connect with a worldwide audience. Which is great because it allows us to learn and experience different environments and different people. So, you know, if you live in the United States, you don't have to physically go to Uzbekistan to connect with someone from Uzbekistan. You can just message them on Facebook and be like, hey, how's Uzbekistan? So in this sense, we can gain exposure to other cultures quite easily, and the people within those cultures, and that allows us to connect with each other in a different way that we've never really had before. So, you know, I think that's a good thing. I think it can only help alleviate things like racism and prejudice if we can connect with people who are very unfamiliar and realize that they're actually quite similar to us. And if you live in a corrupt country like Somalia or something and you need to call out for help, you could use social media to do that. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's more of an internet thing in general. I don't know how often that happens. But uh, we can be more quickly aware of issues in other countries because of the internet and social media. And we can make those issues and the current state of our situation available readily to a large group of people. And this is true anywhere in the world, so... No matter if you live in Somalia or the United States, you know, which is a more stable country, none of us live in a utopian country, so there's always something we can improve on, and we need to have discussions with other people in order to figure out how to improve on our current situation. And social media allows us to have these kinds of discussions with a large amount of people, which, well, see, we don't really, we still don't really know how to talk about these things on social media. That's kind of the problem we're trying to work out because you you talk to someone extremely differently on social media instead of in person and people are much more cruel on social media much quicker to insult all of those things so there are many roadblocks let's say to overcoming the conversational dynamic on social media and the fact that we have such easy access to such a large audience, such a large group of people is really interesting. 
and it's interesting to watch it play out because there's pros and cons to it, which I've noticed. And the pros are essentially that you can find people with similar interests and find people, you know, who see things similarly to you and you can have discussions with these people and you can make, you know, true and honest connections with them. And that helps you develop a sense of meaning in your life, I think. You know, it helps you feel less alone and, you know, you're able to really connect with people. But at the same time, if you only connect with people who kind of see the world the same way you do and see things, you know, through that similar lens, you kind of risk running through life with blinders on. And when that happens, it makes it more difficult to talk to people who have opposing opinions. And when you only speak to people you agree with and kind of only live in that environment, you actually stop yourself from learning, which is seems counterintuitive on social media and online because this huge platform allows us such an opportunity to learn. There's so much information out there and we have access to all of it. So we should be learning all of the time. We should you know, be engaging with this stuff, but we can pick anything and say we agree with that and then find more and more stuff to back that up and more and more articles, more and more points of view, more and more people who are supporting this and that just feeds into our support of it. But if we don't engage with people who disagree with it, then at some point we stop learning anything because in order you know, to learn, you have to be exposed to something new. And if something isn't new, you can't learn anymore. You know, like if you show me something that I already know, I'm not actually learning anything. I'm just reaffirming the fact that I know it. And you can find this on websites like Reddit a lot of the subreddits, they don't allow criticism of whatever it is they're talking about. You know, like the late stage capitalism subreddit is a socialism subreddit to talk about socialism, but essentially you're not allowed to criticize it. Let me um, find this just to make sure I'm right about this, that i am got my things in order. Okay, so, yeah, the number one rule on Late stage capitalism subreddit is no capitalist apologia or anti socialism. And it reads defense of capitalism and of the parties or ideologies that support it. Examples liberalism, which includes social democracy, are strictly prohibited. Likewise, opposition to socialism, which includes opposition to socialism in general, as well as specific opposition to socialist tendencies such as communism or anarchism except from a socialist perspective, is strictly prohibited. Holy God, that's worse than I thought. Yikes. Yeah, so this is a terrible idea. You definitely don't want to discourage discourse, especially that which disagrees with you. Because, like I said, in order to learn, you need to be exposed to opposing opinions and opposing views. And especially when you're talking about something this serious like we're talking about the structure of our society and how to order that like probably one of the most if not the most important thing we could possibly talk about and you're gonna say i have it right or everyone who is with me obviously has it right so we don't need anyone else to come in here and try and prove that we're wrong i mean 
if you're in that situation, you should be inviting people from every angle. You have the opportunity to discuss this with people who see things from every single angle possible, and you could actually work it out, but instead you're just going to choose to say, well, I'm so convinced that I'm right, and I found all of these other people who feel the same way, so we're just going to shut it down from anything else because this is obviously the right thing to do. And I think one of the interesting things about these communities that people find online too is they seem very large because say you found 10,000, 20,000 people in a community who you discuss things with daily and who you interact with daily and you all believe in whatever. The community seems large because 10,000, 20,000 seems like a large amount of people. But say that's only you know, a small portion of the total amount of people who believe that in the world, say, you know, you got 10 or, or 20,000 people online in this community, and then there are 2 million people in the world who believe this, and everyone else thinks it's bullshit. Even if you still have 2 million people in the world who think this, and everyone else thinks it's bullshit, that is a very small percentage of people who believe in this. And it can appear much larger online than it is. So you think, oh, all of these people agree with this. So this must be okay. And it could be something that's extremely damaging to society. And you just need someone to come along with some proof for why that's the case. You know, and if someone can prove to you why you're wrong and why what you're doing is actually hurting people instead of helping them, even if those are your intentions, then that's really important. And, well, actually, I kind of want to go back to something that I briefly hit on was talking about it being okay, and I guess the comfort of being in a group online, in the sense that there's kind of been this move, I don't know if it's just among the younger generation, or where it came about, or how prevalent exactly it is, but I've definitely noticed a move where it's gone from kind of acceptance to saying that you're okay the way you are and that's fine however you are and that's too far to me in the sense that you're not okay the way you are you should try and be better you know you should try and always be the best version of yourself it's like say you're weak you're just a weak person would you want someone to tell you that's okay that's just the way you are. Just be weak and don't do anything. Just lay on the couch until you die. Or would you want someone to say, hey man, you need to get it together. Go strengthen yourself. Do something in the world and that will make you happier. Like, Which one of those things would you want? And obviously there's nuance in how you approach someone when saying something like this. You know, if someone's a very, you know, kind of weak and fragile person, you don't want to just go up to him and be like, hey man, you're a piece of shit. You need to get it together. <laughs> you know, you want to approach them in a manner that's friendly and say, you know, hey, I love you, but you're a piece of shit and you need to get it together. And it's obviously a balance here. I mean, too much of any virtue is a vice. That applies, you know, to anything. It applies to compassion as well, so... You want to be compassionate towards people, yes. You want to be respectful, and you want to try and understand them. But you don't want to push that so far 
that you make them worse off, you know? Anyways, I think that's kind of veering off into a different subject. So let's get back to social media and talking about free exchange of ideas and information. We've touched on a lot under this. I guess another positive thing about this is it can save us a lot of time when it comes to polling and surveying. So this goes back to the kind of information subcategory. And, you know, you don't have to go door to door anymore to get a sample, to get a large sample of something. And even when you, so when you had to go door to door, you probably got a pretty skewed sample because you're only surveying people who live in a certain area. But with social media and the internet, you now have access to people who live all over the world. And you can get a better sample from that. And you're able to get the information quickly. You can find out how old somebody is, what their gender is, etc., etc. And so like anything, you know, the better data we have, the easier it becomes to find solutions to problems. You know, it's like if there was a mango crisis and we wanted to know why all the mangoes were just so unhappy, it would be hard to figure out if we only had access to 50 mangoes and all of those mangoes were about the same size and the same shape and they all came from the same island. If mangoes come from islands, I don't know. But if suddenly we had access to all of the mangoes, we could get a better idea of what the problem might be. We might find that mangoes from Iceland are wildly depressed, but mangoes from the Sudan are unreasonably happy. And then we might also notice that mangoes from Antarctica are also really depressed, but the mangoes in Somalia are exceptionally joyous. That's two Somalia references, by the way, in this podcast, so I'm going to see how many I can get up to, but no guarantees here. Anyways, we might start to notice a pattern, and we could see that only the mangoes in cool climates are depressed, and it just so happens that the majority of mangoes are living in cold climates, so the majority of mangoes are depressed. So in this sense, social media and the scope of the internet can help us problem solve, and that's a very wonderful thing. It's now time for the random phrase of the week. This week's phrase is... Gee, an iced tea sure sounds refreshing. Gee, an iced tea sure sounds refreshing. Ah, oh, gee, an iced tea sure sounds refreshing. Gee, an iced tea sure sounds refreshing. <laughs> gee, an iced tea sure sounds refreshing. Ah, oh, jeez. An iced tea sure sounds refreshing. Jesus Christ, I could really go for an iced tea. Alrighty, let's talk about censorship. Since we've kind of already started talking about that, at least how it pertains to censorship between each other, between the communities on social media, but what about the social media companies themselves? What should they censor? When should they censor it? How much should they censor? Censor. See, it's uh, more of a censor. Censor. I have a lisp. And should they censor anything at all? These are the questions, my friends. These are the questions! So if we're going to talk about censorship... I guess we should start with the tube, YouTube. They've kind of been, I guess, in the most 
controversy surrounding this kind of thing lately. They've been known to defund people, I guess, or take them out entirely for certain stuff. Uh, let's just read the advertiser-friendly guidelines page. Or I'll just read a part of it. It says, all videos uploaded to YouTube must comply with YouTube's terms of service and community guidelines. To be suitable for advertising, videos must comply with the AdSense program policies and the advertiser-friendly content guidelines described in this article. I don't really get this because I don't know why the companies that are placing the ads don't just decide. Like, if you're a company and you find something inappropriate that you don't want your advertisement on, can't you just not sponsor that person? Like, why does YouTube have to step in the way? I don't understand what their role in this is. I don't... It doesn't really seem necessary. Let us go to the guidelines page. Oh boy. Alright, it says, If the following describes any portion of your video or video metadata, including the title thumbnail or tags, then the video may not be suitable for advertising under the AdSense program policies. In some cases, YouTube may also choose not to show ads from all advertisers or all ad formats. And the first one is controversial issues and sensitive events. Video content that features or focuses on sensitive topics or events including but not limited to war, political conflicts, terrorism or extremism, Death and tragedies, sexual abuse, even if graphic imagery is not shown, is generally not suitable for ads. For example, videos about recent tragedies, even if presented for news or documentary purposes, may not be suitable for advertising given the, eh, for advertising given the subject matter. Wow. That's the first one. Jesus. Once again, this is worse than I thought. I didn't think this was like that bad but that's pretty bad controversial issues are being essentially frowned upon like you're being punished for talking about sensitive or controversial things oh jesus i need a drink need a stiff drink give me a stiffy i'm gonna say that next time i walk into a bar yeah just give me a stiffy Oh, sorry, sir. The uh, gay bar is actually down the street. I was talking about the drink. I'm not gay. But yeah, um, this is concerning to me because I, I just think YouTube's job shouldn't be to protect us from the harsh things that are in the world. It should be to provide a video platform. And, I mean, I could be wrong about this, but it seems like this is less about looking out for the viewers and more about YouTube trying to protect themselves from the mob. I think they're just trying to avoid a Starbucks situation. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but a Starbucks employee saw a black man sitting in a Starbucks and decided the best thing to do in that scenario was to just call the cops and be like, hey, there's a black guy here. Which obviously is ridiculous and racist, but the point is people started attacking Starbucks, you know, they were like, what the hell, Starbucks? And they were saying, you know, Starbucks was being racist by supporting this or whatever, and Starbucks was like, no, calm down, everybody, we're not racist. And so they had to do something about it, obviously, 
to save their name in a sense. So they made this big splash. They closed down 8,000 stores. They had all their employees participate in racial bias training. And well, we know that doesn't work, but that's not the point. The point was Starbucks was saying, hey, we're not racist. We don't support racism. We're sorry this happened. Please just buy our coffee again. And I think that's what YouTube is trying to prevent here. You know, the people at the top of YouTube are trying to protect themselves from somebody seeing a really popular video that has a ton of advertisements saying, hey, this is really messed up, and then going after YouTube and saying, you support this, you provided the platform for this to take place, you let this happen, shame on you, tube. And then it will get some momentum, and the local news will pick it up, and then it becomes a national story, and everyone sees it. And they're all like, well, what the hell, YouTube? The same way they did with Starbucks. And YouTube will come out, and they'll have to apologize and try to make amends. And then by, by apologizing, they'll admit their sense of guilt to a certain extent, and that just hurts them even more. And then they lose support, and it becomes all about YouTube, and everyone's all focused on YouTube instead of the original person who did the stupid thing and the issue itself. And then we don't get anywhere once again. I guess that whole Starbucks thing was... It was kind of weird because I asked, I had to ask myself the question, you know, like, would that have become a national headline if two black guys got arrested at a local cafe? Or did it just become a national headline because two black guys got arrested at Starbucks? Because Starbucks was like the ah thing for the headline, and that's why, that's why I feel like it became national news. It was because Starbucks was attached to this racist act, not because it was a racist act in itself. And then it became about Starbucks, and I feel like, once again, we missed an opportunity to discuss something important, which was racism. You know, we could have had this discussion about, why do certain people act racist? What makes someone racist? What does it mean to be racist? How do we go about this? All of these things. But instead, it was just like, Starbucks, Starbucks, Starbucks. And like I said, they tried to do the racial bias training thing, and there wasn't, I didn't see any, like, honest conversations about that either. It was just like, you know, they're doing this racial bias training, so this is good, and that's that. But nobody talked about how it doesn't work, which is kind of a big deal, because if you're going to spend all this money on something that doesn't work, what's the point? I mean, you're not actually helping the situation here. I think it would have been a lot more interesting to talk about racial bias training and why it doesn't work instead of talking about Starbucks. So I guess I'll explain this, or try to at least, the best I can. The racial bias training is based on something called the Implicit Association Test. And this was developed within psychology, like psychology people or whatever. Um, I don't know who specifically developed this, but basically what it does is it has you match pictures of somebody who's either black or white with a negative word and then a positive word, and it measures how long it takes you to make that association. And so most people do it, and say you're a white person, it's probably going to show that you associate white people with a positive word more quickly than you would associate black people with a positive word. But the problem lies in defining what that proves. Because essentially that test doesn't 
distinguish between in-group preference and racism, and it doesn't prove racism. Like, you can't look at that and say because somebody takes longer to associate a black person with a positive word than a white person that they therefore hate black people and are a walking racist because you could take because almost everyone who takes that test shows some sort of preference towards whatever in-group they're part of and even like a strong percentage of black people show a white in-group preference which is weird um and more interesting to me in fact to figure out what what's happening there than to just simply say oh that makes you racist and i think part of the reason it doesn't work too is because you have a lot of people who obviously aren't racist they've gone through their whole lives and they're just well-meaning people who are just trying to do their best and then all of a sudden you tell them hey we had you take this test and we've decided that you're racist and you just didn't know it it's like what like I read an article recently, actually, that talked about how this racial bias training makes people more racist because of that. So if you take someone who's not racist and you tell them that they're racist, they're more likely to be more racist. Surprise, surprise. So this is one of those things that I was talking about earlier where we have the right intentions and we're trying to do the right thing, but it's actually making things worse. And that's something we should talk about, but the mainstream, the mainstream media doesn't bring this up probably because it's too uncomfortable i guess they don't want to admit that this racial bias training doesn't work because it's easy to just say we're doing this look this is good but obviously upon further examination it's not working and we need to figure out where to go from here to find out you know how to get things working and how we're going to alleviate racism not produce more of it all right, what were we talking about? I got sidetracked again. Speaking of sidetracked, let's get even more sidetracked. I'm going to share a quote that I found in a book. This is from Crime and Punishment from Dostoevsky, and it reads, When reason fails, the devil helps. When reason fails, the devil helps. Today's episode is brought to you by Donnie's Diabetes Sticks. With 140 grams of sugar per serving, Donnie's Diabetes Sticks will be sure to ruin your life. Yeah, so if uh, you're looking for some diabetes, check out Donnie's Diabetes Sticks. I think I think they actually just got bought out by Amy's AIDS Kitchen. Is that what it's called? Oh, Amy's AIDS Infusions. My mistake. Yeah, so if you want AIDS, you can uh, go to amysaidsinfusions.com and they'll just hook you up with some aids so if you're into that um check them out for sure uh sounds like a good product i don't know i haven't tried it it's not my thing but to each his own speaking of aids let's talk about social media social media the aids of the internet no i'm joking um yeah so i guess another positive aspect about social media is that it allows talent to surface and be recognized quickly and widely because you know in the past you could be the funniest guy in the world or the best horseshoe thrower west of the nile but it wasn't really likely that your talents would be on display for anyone outside of your local area and then if you did get an audience it was really slow because it was all through word of mouth 
You know, you'd have to be like, hey, you gotta check this dude out. He just swallowed a whole bag of oranges. And somebody would be like, no, there's no way this dude just swallowed a whole bag of oranges. And then the other guy would be like, wanna bet? Come check this out. I will show you this man swallowing an entire bag of oranges. And so that guy would go over. He would see the guy swallow the bag of oranges. And then he would go back to wherever he lived and tell the 20 people he lived with, hey, you guys won't believe this. This motherfucker just swallowed an entire bag of oranges. And then I think this is kind of how crazy stories got exaggerated back in the day because it's like the game Telephone, you know? It just gets more and more crazy the more people you tell it to. So this guy probably swallowed one orange, or maybe he swallowed a slice of an orange. No, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. We'll say he had a large throat and he swallowed an entire orange. And then somebody told somebody else, dude, this guy swallowed an orange. And they were like, oh my god, I have to tell everyone. And so they went back and they were like, this guy swallowed two oranges. Somebody else hears the story, all of a sudden it's a bag of oranges. Next person tells the story, all of a sudden it's two bags of oranges. Next guy tells the story, all of a sudden he swallowed a shark. The next guy tells the story, all of a sudden he swallowed the continent. Next guy tells the story, all of a sudden he ate the entire earth and we're just living on his barf. But today you can just swallow a bag of oranges and then immediately put it on the internet. And everyone can watch you do it. Live stream it. You could live stream it. Find me on Twitch. Anyways, the good thing about social media and people who have talent is it allows us to recognize that, which is a good thing because we want to recognize people who have talent because they inspire us and help us create and do all these wonderful things and it's good for them and it's good for us. And we want to encourage them to keep doing what they're good at. And that's awesome because allows us to be distracted from the fact that we're spinning on one of a trillion rocks around one of a hundred billion stars in our galaxy and all of it's moving really fast and none of us know really what to do and what any of this matters on any scale of significance and eventually we're all going to die and hardly anyone will ever remember us. So, uh, you know, in the end we need talented people. Like anything though, this comes with the downside because yes, it's easy for, I wouldn't say easy, but social media allows talent to surface. But we also have to find it, so you know you kind of have to dig through the rubble to find the gold here. And there's a lot more rubble than there is gold. And I think with social media, a lot of the times it allows for people who aren't very talented to overestimate their skills and maintain an exaggerated sense of self-importance. You see people all the time with hardly any talent kind of just pander their way to like 100,000 followers on Instagram. And I mean, I see this... Personally, I see it a lot because I write, I write poetry and I put it on Instagram. And in that community, there's not any like variety hardly at all. There's no, there's, there is actually a fair amount of, you know, good artistic, honest expression, but those people hardly ever have any followers and they're hard to find. And the people with all of the followers are just the people who post these really cliche tidbits with a line break that are about love. And it's all the same thing. And, you know, people see that and they try to copy it. You know, they try to copy what they see as successful. And so they do the same thing. They post these cliche statements about love and put a line break in there, call it a poem. And it's not really making us think. It's not It's not really doing anything for us besides pandering. And it's not hard. I mean, anyone can do that and anyone does. 
that's just kind of one of the downsides of somebody becoming popular on social media is if they do something that becomes really popular and other people see it, they're obviously going to want to copy it. And if they're doing something that's really not that special that a lot of people are capable of doing, a lot of people are going to keep doing it. And you're just going to get this stagnant environment where you don't see anything new or artistic or creative or revolutionary. And you just see the same crap over and over and over and over again. I guess part of this has to do with the like button too, because you have this system where we can immediately see who likes what, and it's all about being liked and posting things that are liked. And so we have to ask ourselves, how important is it to be liked? You know, on the level of things that are important to us, exactly how important is it that what we say and what we do and who we are is something that is liked? And I wrote an article about this, so if you want to read about this more in depth, you can check out my website. But yeah, I mean, I guess the conclusion I came to personally was that I place value on being liked and I think we all do because you know you want you want people to like you you don't want people to not like you but you also don't really need to fish for that from certain people so it's important to me that the people who know me like me it doesn't matter to me if somebody who doesn't know who I am says that they like me or they don't like me because they don't know who I am, so what does it matter? But if my parents like me, you know, my family likes me, my friends like me, the people around me who engage with me on a daily basis, if those people like me, that means a lot because those people see me every day and they know who I am. But if somebody who engages with me once a month on the internet says I hate you, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything, so why even try to have someone like that like you? What's the point, you know? And I mean, I still do it from time to time. I think we all are guilty of trying to make people like us in a way that's not entirely genuine. But I've found that the best thing for me to do is to just live honestly in the world and just be as honest as I can about who I am. And if somebody likes me, great. If they don't like me, you know, fuck them, but great. And just to kind of live with the outcome of that instead of being something that's not even myself and then having everyone like me. Like, if you're not yourself and everyone likes you, then what are they liking? It's not you. And I guess that makes sense too, where there's an appeal there, is that if I'm not myself and nobody likes me, then it doesn't matter because it's not me anyways. So, I mean, in that scenario, there's nothing to lose, but there's also nothing to gain. And I don't know who said this, but I think I read it somewhere. Someone was kind of talking about how they would rather have a lot of people just really love them. We're talking about like fans, like if you're a famous person, you know, if you're a creative, whatever, you know, and if you have fans and you have enemies or whatever. He was saying that he would rather have half of the people just absolutely love him and then half the people absolutely hate him than to have everyone just think, eh, this guy's whatever. Because he was kind of saying, if you're doing that, you know, you're getting a reaction out of people and you're making them really feel something, whether that's love or hate, you're getting something out of them and that's more worthwhile than just making people, you know, say bleh. I said bleh, 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 bleh. 
I think that's when I know it'll be time to stop doing whatever it is that I'm doing. Is if I ask somebody, hey, what did you think of the show? And they just go, I So I guess, you know, you shouldn't live your life trying to make people like you. But you also shouldn't, you shouldn't ignore people completely and what they think of you. Because if nobody likes you, then that's useful information, you know, because you can say, well, if nobody likes me, it's probably not everyone else. Uh, it's probably me. And in that case, you're going to need to do some self-reflection. And I think that's one of the most important things that you can have or be able to do, to me at least, is to be able to take criticism, especially in if you're in a relationship or something. I mean, that's definitely something I look for because personally, I want to know what I'm bad at so that I can fix it, you know, because I, I know what I'm good at. And if you just keep telling me, oh, you're great at this, you're great at this, like, thank you, but that doesn't help me improve where I need to improve. And it's also harder to recognize what you're not good at because why would you want to do that, you know? You're not going to look at yourself every night in the mirror, lay down to bed every night and be like, what do I suck at? That would just be kind of deflating. So it kind of helps to have somebody else tell you what you suck at so that you can you can work on that. And it's hard, you know, it's easy it's easy to to react to that, but if someone is telling you what you suck at, you know, they're probably doing it out of a place of love because they want you to not suck at it anymore. So it's it's a good idea to to at least at least listen to them. You don't have to agree with them, but you should probably listen to them and and think about it at least at the very very least. That's just my my perspective at least. You can do whatever you want. I am not here to tell you how to live your life. But what you should do is try Amy's AIDS infusions. Amy's AIDS infusions for just $4.99. That's $499, not $4.99. Don't get silly, people. You can have AIDS for the rest of your life. It just takes five minutes, and with one infusion, you will be set to go for life. Oh, I guess they have a promo code you can use. If you go to amysaidsinfusions.com slash show, you can get the AIDS infusion not only for yourself, but for a loved one for half price. So it's about a total of what is it? 749 total. Two AIDS infusions, you and someone you love. You can both have AIDS together forever. Uh, all all with Amy's AIDS infusions. It sounds like a good company, you know, guys? Check them out. Okay, what else? Ooh, this is an interesting discussion concept. So when someone likes something of yours on social media, how do you decipher what it is they're liking? So if they like a picture, are they liking the picture? Are they liking you? Are they liking what you're doing in the picture? And how do you know which one it is? And that's not an easy question to answer. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, and I guess context is key. Like, if someone likes one of our pictures, we can fairly assume that they probably just like the picture. You know, if her, say you have somebody who likes bikes, and you post one picture of yourself riding a bike, and that's the only picture they've liked, it's obvious that they like what's in the picture. You know, they're more interested in the bike. They don't, they don't want your, uh, your dick up their ass. 
but it's harder to tell when I guess it's hardest to tell when somebody likes some of your pictures what they're interested in it's most likely that they like what you're posting and they're not seeing all of your stuff or they don't want to seem too interested in you because there's that dynamic where if somebody's liking all of your stuff and they're doing it say fairly quickly you always ask yourself does this person want to fuck me and then you have to figure that out and on social media that's like a super weird dynamic i mean i guess i i could do like a whole podcast episode trying to f- talk about how we interact romantically on social media because boy that is that is so interesting because it's like this passive confusing environment because if somebody say somebody likes all of your pictures and they like them fairly quickly some of the time you're gonna assume that they're you know romantically interested in you other times they just really like your stuff or they just really like you as a person and it can be hard to decipher that because there's no eye contact you know in real life if someone is interested in you you can kind of tell by how much eye contact they're making with you and their body language whether they're touching you all of that stuff but on social media none of that's there so it's it's just weird and it's a very sexually charged environment too i mean it's everywhere on social media you know you go on instagram and what are the most popular accounts they're girls with big butts or half naked girls or whatever and then all these guys write these creepy comments to these girls or try to direct message them as if they're going to respond and it's like you look at them and you just laugh and you're like why would anyone try this but a lot of people do they do anyways and there's almost this disconnection like they feel as if they're close to the person because they're following them on the account and it's like this almost contact with them and they think well maybe if i throw a dart you know throw throw this shot in the dark here something will happen but it's probably not and i guess the whole the whole dynamic of it is interesting for a lot of reasons but dating in general online whether it's through apps or dating services or social media it's definitely it's definitely changed a lot because it's opened up a whole new world to us in the sense that you have access to having conversations with and meeting more people that are in the world and you know you don't just have to meet someone who's around you and you can talk to so many more people and kind of get an idea of what might work for you and what might not and i wrote an article about this as well on my website uh, social media and dating Um, so check that out as well but i think the most interesting point that i came about was so there's this idea that when you're looking for someone to spend your life with that you're looking for the one there's that statement the one and so there's you know seven and a half billion people on the planet what are the chances that the one is living in your town? You could also question that whole that whole idea and say, you know, there is no such thing as the one. There's maybe one in 50 people who you would be really compatible with or whatever. But the point is, online, it allows you to engage with so many more people that 
it increases your chances of finding someone who's more compatible, which is, is awesome. You know, that's really cool. But at the same time, when you're in a relationship and there's that whole, whole world out there, it kind of provides you with an excuse to focus on your partner's weaknesses or their inadequacies, inadequacies and look at other people who are out in the social media world and say, oh, well, this person looks so much better. Like, why can't you be like that? And, you know, you'll say these things in your head. And this might affect relationships in the sense that if people think that the whole that the whole market is available to them, why stick with someone who isn't making you happy right now or isn't perfect right now or you're kind of struggling with? I think this is a conversation people have about divorce, too. You know, when they made divorce easier, I think California was the first state to say, you know, you can just divorce someone because you don't like them. And I don't know when that was, but it, it begs this question. It's a balanced question, I think, really, as most things are, is how, how much should you work through something and, and when is the time to give up? But if you give up too easily, then you're just going to keep giving up. You know, you see you see that pattern where people who divorce once are more likely to divorce twice, people who divorce twice more likely to divorce three times, and the cycle goes on and on, so... It kind of seems like a pattern within the individual as much as it does them not finding a good match. There was a statistic that kind of startled me. It's from divorcestatistics.info, and it says that children of divorced parents are prone to divorcing four times more than children of couples who are not divorced, which is really interesting. And it makes sense, you know, that someone who's more exposed to divorce is more likely to divorce themselves that stat doesn't also measure happiness i mean you could be just super perfectly happy divorcing four times you know maybe that's your thing maybe you just like getting married and getting divorced and that's what makes you happy if if that's what you like to do then you know to each his own but it doesn't seem likely anyways moral of the story what i came out of this was i figure it's best to if you really, really love somebody, it's best to work with them and try and fix everything as hard as you possibly can. And if everything's broken and you really just don't know how to fix it, you're not capable of fixing it anymore, just then you can give up. But don't get a new car if you just need an oil change. Dating is so weird, especially nowadays with the internet. Like, I'm, I'm 24, and it's weird because... I'm at this age where if I ask a girl who's younger than me out on a date, usually she doesn't know what to do. Like, it seems like that generation doesn't know how to just, like, go get a drink. Like, if you ask, like if I ask an older woman, hey, you want to grab a drink sometime? She'll just be like, yeah, and then she'll actually get the drink. But with girls who are younger than me, it's like they want you to, like, text them for a while and then maybe they'll get the drink, but they'll probably bail at the last minute because they're too afraid. Texting is weird as it pertains to relationships. I'm not sure exactly what I think of it. From experience, I feel like it establishes a dynamic for codependent relationships and the fact that you always have access to somebody. And this obviously isn't always the case, but 
if somebody has access to texting all day, especially if they're working, it's like you don't ever get the chance to miss the person. Like when I like somebody, I want to miss them and then I want to see them at the end of the day and I don't want to know about their day as the day is unfolding. Like I, f I feel like that should be something you come home and you talk about because it, sometimes you're texting all day and then you come home and there's like nothing to talk about. So you just sit there and watch TV. I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just me. Maybe I've just been in shitty relationships. Maybe I'm the shitty relationship. Maybe it's all my fault. It's not me. It's me. It's now time for this week's segment of Jason Reed's Girls Profiles from Tinder. Alright, here we go. This'll be fun. First one. <laughs> Lazy and kinda stupid. LOL. <laughs> wow. You got me there. I just have to date you now. That's that's the best you can come up with? Is that what we're doing now? We're listing our shitty qualities? And that's it? Just take it or leave it? I mean, you gotta admire the honesty here. Kudos, I guess. Next one. You want to know about me? Do it the old-fashioned way and ask me questions. Wow. Wow. Next one. Eva. Traveler, foodie, and historian. That sounds like something a functional human being might say. We'll give it a try. Catherine. If you're anthem trash, I'm swiping left. Is that gangsta speak? The only thing that matters is music. People have such odd requirements for people they're interested in. It always comes out on Tinder, too. You'll see these people with these lists. They're like, must be at least six foot two, um, own a Fortune 500 company, and have a fetish for wolf ears. All right, next one. McKenna. Actually 17. Looking for someone to hang out with and show me around. I'm new to the area and suck at finding friends, so I literally downloaded an app to do so. You're in the wrong place, McKenna. That's like going to a hair salon and expecting to order a glass of wine. Bars down the street, sweetheart. Next one. Jessica. Adventures. That's all it says. Adventures. I swear, every profile either says one of three things. I like adventures. If you have a dog in your picture, I'm automatically swiping right. And if I super liked you, it was probably by accident. You didn't super like me by accident. You knew what you were doing. Oh, that's another good one. I don't know why I'm on here. Yes, you do. We all do. We all do. Next one, my circus and flow arts, hoops, lights, whips, etc. Gender fluid, Aryava Dadada, Reika Enigram, seven. Acro yoga, yin yoga, festival enthusiasts, love to lift, witchy, ENFP, parenthesis, apostrophe, parenthesis. I don't know what any of the words in this person's profile mean. Next one. I guess I shouldn't read people's names. I mean, it's only a first name, but... 
Whatever, I made the first ones up anyways. <laughs> this one says, Fuck Tinder, about to go on Farmers Only. Nice. I was about to go on Black People Meet, but I got denied. Discrimination. Utah. You, no, there's no H, just... Uta? 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 It's Uta! You have any plan about tonight? I'm free tonight. Red wine is my fave. Yeah, this is a hooker. You could tell by the grammar. Oh, whoops. Accidentally just super like somebody. Hey, maybe maybe that's actually a thing. Should have more sympathy for those people. The blonde isn't natural. I don't want to go hiking with you. I'd rather stay home and do my makeup or take a nap. Doing my best not to get murdered on this app. If you like Disney, I like you. What an interesting creature. Alright, next one. It reads, Whiskey, Rum, and Adventures. Ha! <laughs> Jesus. Anytime your first two interests are alcoholic beverages, we know we're in trouble. Anytime it's a beverage at all, like, how is that an interest? Who thinks that's interesting? Because there's a lot, there's a lot of profiles that just say coffee. Like, that's a conversation starter. It's like, I like coffee. It's like, oh, really? You like coffee? Well, do you enjoy a dark Sumatra blend? Or would you prefer a nice light roast? Have you ever tried tea? I think you should try matcha tea. It's a little lighter than coffee, but, you know, it provides you with a nice, mellow buzz. Okay, next one. I can do this all night. I like to go travel and eat good food. Guess my ethnicity. Uh, no thanks, that sounds like a dangerous game. Just looking for new friends. Exchange student from Japan. So Japanese then? Do I win? Only studying here for one semester. Aspiring model, aren't you all? Next one. Just on here, cause I mean, why not? Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Next one. I'm a sexy thumb with a lean chin. I make a mean whiskey sour. I have $2.40 in my bank account. Don't worry, I have a Six Flags membership with one free guest. And I have a needy dog. You like big cheeks? I'm your girl. You can't say I catfished you. I accept donations. Venmo. I honestly have no response to that. Swipe left if you don't smoke weed, to be honest. Omnisexual, strictly polyamorous. What the fuck does that mean? Accidentally left swiping hot people into oblivion. I'm probably not going to fuck you. What does omnisexual mean? I know what polyamorous means, but I do not know what omnisexual means. Maybe it's like omnivore. Instead of eating anything, you just fuck anything. Let's find out. Omnisexual. Omnisexual. The definition is... Involving, related to, or characterized by a diverse sexual propensity. 
So everyone then? Oh, an attraction towards people regardless of their sex or gender identity. So yeah, you'll just fuck anything. I was right. Cool. Learn something new every day. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't say anything. Swipe if you're trying to break my heart. No, I'm not the devil. If you don't say haha after everything you write, will they even know you're easygoing and breezy? You know, that's actually kind of funny. Kudos for not. for actually trying. She's actually really pretty, too. I think I'm in love. Did I? Oh, I wasted my super like. What have I done? I like good beer, cheap wine, and a good time. Probably liked you for your dog. God, edible marijuana is such a dice roll. Like, I bought these little edibles that say they each have 10 milligrams in them. So I ate a quarter of one because my intestines hurt. And now I'm just, like, super high. How long have I been on Tinder? Not long enough? Too long? Should I keep doing this? I'd rather be a writer for a minute than a specter for a lifetime. I think you mean spectator. If you want to all know more about me, you can message me on my Insta at cockballs78. No, I'm not going to message you on your Insta. That's why I'm on Tinder. I don't want to go through a two-step process. That's a bag of chips. A group of eight people. How can I know which one is you? I mean, swipe right if you think it's right. All right. Like Drake, you wrap the same word with the same word. Kendrick Lamar. No one reads bios anyways. <laughs> I do, clearly. Let me be your Christmas gift. <laughs> Could you imagine you just open one of your presents from your dad and it's a girl from Tinder? <laughs> Thanks, Dad. That's what I've always wanted. <laughs> ah, shit. Okay, next one. Bachelors in kinesiology. Doesn't everyone have a bachelors in kinesiology? Life would be tragic if it weren't so funny. That's a quote. No hookups, no drugs, no running. Seriously not interested. No running? What kind of requirement is that? What does that even mean? Like, you can't physically run? Or there's like... No running away from this woman once you contact her. Because that would be weird. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. Originally from Northern California. Well, we're in Northern California, so that's not interesting at all. If you don't like high fives, then bye. How old are you, six? But in all seriousness, I like meth. Oh, math, excuse me. Cats. Rain. <clears throat> Dick. Nope, that's not on there. Watermelon and Bruce Springsteen. Talk to me about these things or tell me what you want to talk about, you know? Can I die? Is dying an option? There should be a kill yourself option on Tinder. Like, you can either like, dislike, or press something that just says kill yourself. <laughs> like, somebody's profile is so bad that you just get to press the kill yourself button. It shows like this little, okay, too far. <laughs> we could probably do without the animation. 
Maybe the uh, the app will just like slowly crack and then crash. You've selected kill yourself. The app will now be disabled for 24 hours. Tinder. All right, so we talked about a fair amount of information regarding social media here. Um, we talked about free information, free exchange of information rather. We talked about talents. We talked about dating. We uh, spent some time on Tinder. And we talked a little bit about power, I guess, and kind of censorship. But we could talk more about that. So I'm going to end this podcast, but the next episode will also be about social media because there's a lot more I want to cover. We never really got to image, and we talked a little bit about the like, um, but we didn't talk about anonymity or permanence. Uh, I want to cover that. So that pretty much sums it up for this week's episode of The Treason Show. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe to me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Brendel, or find me on Instagram at Jason Brendel.